and there's controversy going on now, and I don't know if you've, you probably have heard it, so I mean, where, um, you know, uh, let me let's see how I can put it. Mr. Biden, uh, I think it's Mr. Biden, but somebody had said, you know, here's, here's your choice. You either, you're vaccinated or you have to wear a mask, make your choice or something like that. And I thought, hmm, something's wrong with the way that sounds. Last time I checked, this is America. But um, just a lot of things that are, that are up there and people are just in an uproar about what is going on and all of those things. And I, I understand. Plus, there is, you know, there is the reality of nobody really knows exactly what had happened. And, and, and so there's the, you know, the virus that, you know, hey, we have to make sure. And, and I get all of that. So it's not like it's fake. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff flying around. So as we look at this and we're looking at all 22 chapters, we are on the 17th chapter of Revelation and we'll go to 18 next week. And I'll be back. I'll still I'll be here for Sunday, and uh, I've already worked ahead and believing God for great stuff. But this is getting really intense. I mean, the more that we look at this, I mean, if I was rating this message, I might rate it PG thirteen. I mean, it's just it's just getting like, oh my gosh, so many things are going on. And uh, so let me just ask you a question as we get into this. Let's just believe God right now, just to download. Now, this is what's great about God. God will download mysteries to you so that you can understand even if sometimes when you hear it you're like "Mm, I don't know I'm I'm not sure I got that and then later all of a sudden you go I get it you know or you could get it right then but whatever but let's just pray let's believe God for a downloading of wisdom and uh, and just peace who's the prince of peace Come on, Jesus. So we're serving Jesus, and he's the Prince of Peace. Let's, before we pray, let's say hi to our online crowd. God bless you guys. If you're a guest today, make sure that you stop at the guest kiosk. We have a free T-shirt for you and a a CD that you can get for free. We just want to bless you and say thanks uh, for coming. The CD basically is if you just got saved. Uh, It's kind of one of those messages I preached a long time ago, but it's foundational. You're welcome to take it. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, if you're watching online, you got to come here to get the t-shirt. So come and see me. We'd love to see you. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you, God, for your amazing grace. I thank you, God, that you're going to download to us by your spirit, wisdom, and peace. And I give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Turn around, give your neighbor a high five. Let me ask you a question. When you hear the word religion, do you get a in your mind, positive or negative. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, a lot of times when we hear the word religion, uh, we got out of a fellowship, and it was, and there was a good fellowship, still is to this day, but we, there was a lot. And with almost anything, politics, religion, isn't it? It's just Sometimes it just is, no matter what you do, it, it feels that way. How many believe? I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that's right, and I'm not saying that's all true. I'm just saying sometimes it seems that way. So here's a shocker. The word religion only comes up five times in the Bible. Um, five times, uh, you know, in the Bible. So, but, of course, if you have a different version of the Bible, if you have the Message Bible, you can find the uh, recipe for Rice Krispie Treats in there. So though, depending on the version you have, uh, but back to our message. Five times, only once is in a positive. It's a reference to pure and undefiled religion. So as I looked at, you know, I'm like, okay, well, undefiled. And undefiled basically just means it's not corrupted, it's clean, okay? 
But other times when it's mentioned in the four other times, it is just religion gone bad. Um, and we can find plenty of religion gone bad. If we, we don't even have to look very far. Um, even a bunch of religion, here we go, done with the name of Jesus slapped on it. We all know that that has happened many, many times, and sometimes that's not been a good thing. Well, really, any time if it's not Jesus and his name is slapped on it, it's not representing him well. So um, we all know atheists hate religion. What does God think about religion? And so we're going we're gonna to start talking about that as we go forward. We're going to get to that. But in this chapter, we come across one of the most mysterious characters in the book, Babylon. Babylon. And we left off last, uh, well, two weeks ago, um, but we left off uh, with the final bowl of God's wrath being poured out on the earth. If you remember, it was that seventh bowl. God remembered specifically Babylon the Great. And she got the cup of wine with the fury of his wrath. Remember about him squishing the grapes under his feet and all that juice that was in the bowls. And it was what the people had done. It was just all of that compiled and he was putting it back onto their heads. But this is the one character is called out by name uh, for wrath. In chapter 14, the great angel, well, a great angel declared to the world, Babylon is fallen. Who or what is Babylon? So as we start this is what's been fun about this. We're kind of taking that onion and just peeling back a little layer at a time. We're just seeing some things and going, okay, wow. But I want you to pay attention. This is important. John tells us in verse 1, this is chapter 17, verse 1, one of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said. I'll show you the judgment that's going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. So the angel tells John, pay attention and look closely at this punishment in particular. Have you ever been somewhere where somebody says, hey, I need you to pay attention. Maybe you've told your kids, I need you to watch me and, and look closely about what's about to happen. So that's what these next couple chapters are dealing with, the punishment of the great prostitute. <laughs> in the Old Testament, prostitution and adultery were often used to picture cheating on God worshiping false gods who aren't really gods at all. Money, pleasure, knowledge, things, they are all wannabes, so to speak. And the enemy wants you to worship them instead of God that gave those things to you. Does that make sense? Remember the enemy's trying to tell Jesus, if you worship me, all of this stuff, you can have it. But the Bible goes a different route. The Bible says you don't want the stuff. You seek first God, and these things will follow. If you need stuff, if you need finances, if you need food, as we seek God, God provides, come on, for the stuff that you need. I've seen too much. I can't be convinced of anything else. We have been where we didn't have two pennies to rub together, and I've got kids. We've got kids. And we were like, Lord, what are we going to do? And so we just said, you know what, God, we've, we did everything. Because we came down to there's times in our life where we got so much money. And you ever have more week left over than your money? And you're like, what are we going to I still to this day don't know how many miracles God worked through this woman. And how I'd be like, okay, here's your grocery budget. Here's $15. Four kids, $15, maybe sometimes 25 
I, I still, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how, but there's, I can't tell you how many times we didn't say anything to anybody, nothing happened, we didn't go begging for food. Come on, I've never seen this righteous forsaken or seed begging. I didn't have to do that. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. That's either true or it isn't. And so we believed it to be true, and groceries would just show up. Things would just happen to this day sometimes. I still don't know who, who gave them and what happened. We had a lady show up one time, and she said, the Lord sent me here. She went to the church. We never told her anything. She said, I don't know if this makes any sense, and I feel kind of awkward saying it, but I'm supposed to take you shopping. I'm like, shopping? She goes, for food. Okay, well, that makes more sense. I'm a dude. Food is good. <laughs> and she said, just, just bring your kids. I'm like, you, you do not take your children shopping for food Especially when you're like the refrigerator, you feel like Mother Cupboard or Hubbard or whatever her name is. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. She said, no, I want, the, I want them to come. So you put kids that are just we hide to a grasshopper in a store and a lady goes, it's almost how many have seen Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? And you see Willy Wonka when they get into that room and he goes, da, da. And all the kids go, whoa, and they run by him, and you got the big chubby kids sucking up the chocolate river, and you know, you got them eating flowers, and the kids are just going nuts. We walked into the store, and she said, Get whatever you want. My kids are looking like. So, I mean, we were going down every aisle. We took two cards, we filled up one cart, and I'm like, Please, please. She goes, Get another cart. She told the kids, go get another cart. And she's like, do you want these Pop-Tarts? No, you could get Food Club Pop-Tarts. Or you could get Pop-Tarts. <laughs> My kids are like, Pop-Tarts? Do you like this flavor? I like them all. Tung, tung, tung. I mean, just, just, I'm like, you don't have to. So I still remember the 300 and some dollars of groceries. And she just, she was smiling from ear to ear. Well, the Lord told me to do it. I want you to be blessed. I'm like, okay, we're blessed. We got home. The kids, I'm telling the boys, get back here. You help pick it out. You're carrying it in. <laughs> Fruit of your labor. But it's just amazing. We don't have to love stuff. We have to love God. And the enemy wants you to worship situations and things and idols. You see, cheating on God by worshiping something else, that's adultery. We talked about that last week, or two weeks ago, I guess. Last week was Mother's Day, right? Yes, so two weeks ago. So when you worship other gods for the benefits it will give you, now listen to what I'm saying. When you worship other things for the benefits it will give you, what it pays you, that, my friend, is prostitution. God is God alone. There is none that stands before him. There is none greater than him. It is God who we worship. Revelation 17, 2 and 5 says, The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing, beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. 
And in her hand she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. Here's the one we're speaking about. The name of the prostitute is Babylon. Let me rephrase that. She is not just a prostitute. She is the prostitute. The mother of all prostitutes and abominations. Now, this is the vision John sees, and he sees her riding a beast. But we have seen, as we've studied this, we've seen this beast before. Seven heads, ten horns. It's the Antichrist. Now, the woman Babylon rides atop the beast as if he were under her control. I'm just trying to tell you what the book is saying. Now, if you are sitting here, well, Pastor, I, I thought Babylon was a place. You are, you're right. But it, it's, they're talk, they're, it, it's this, and it's also a place. So let's look at the Old Testament. Babylon is also a place, an ancient empire along the Euphrates. It's a modern-day Iraq, capital city of the same name. So it's kind of as we're studying this, it's almost like the, the book that, uh, you know, this is like the, a tale of two cities, so to speak. The Bible. Babylon is mentioned 287 times. So we're talking about Babylon and Jerusalem, tales of two cities. Babylon is mentioned 287 times. Jerusalem is about 800 times. So if we're going to really follow the Bible, we follow kind of these two cities. You know, the good, the bad, and it's going to get ugly. In the Bible, Babylon represents the world system. Sometimes you'll hear me call it the earth curse system. And it kind of comes down to two parts, really, the godless religion of the world and the economic political system of the world. And a lot of that stuff has come out recently. There's more in this last presidential and all the stuff that was going on. We've seen a lot of stuff. But, you know, we had an administration years ago that ran eight, two terms, eight years, and we saw a lot of stuff. Some of you are going, okay, who we're in? Never mind. You'll figure it out. So world religion and a world kingdom. Babylon's story is in Genesis 10 and 11 with the Tower of Babel. We know that story. Nimrod founded Babel. How would you like to have that name? Come here, Nimrod. This is my son, Dipstick. I mean, you know, who names these people? You shall be called Nimrod. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I'm going to be fighting after school. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Nimrod was a mighty hunter, and he was against the Lord. So in the people, the story goes, the people tried to build a tower to reach heaven, and, they, you know, and, and God stopped it. And this is the heart of the story. Now think about this. Mankind trying to build their way to heaven with their own work. Now, it's not that God hasn't equipped them to do great things, but God always wants them to understand it is God that they should worship. It is God that they should follow. Babylon actually means gateway to heaven, and it is the birthplace of false religion. So you can look up all kinds of practices and stories of false gods, and if you do a trace, you'll find all of them are connected back to Nimrod's wife. I would hate to be that. This is my husband, Nimrod. All right. But uh, now, it gets, this is fun. This is Nimrod's wife, Samara, Samarimus, something like that. 
Semiramis and her son, Tammuz. Evidently, those were the popular names of the time. I don't know. But now, this will help you a little bit, although I, I know I probably shouldn't make fun of names, but I did, so sorry. <laughs> but as you, as you have lived or as you have known and as we would continue, these names were also used as Venus and Cupid, Aphrodite and Eros, Isis and Horus, and Ashtoreth and Baal. We find that sometimes practices that were really not God-based crept their way into the church. Lent, Yule Logs, there's nothing wrong with having a Yule Log fire. Or if you want to know, Brett, do you think Easter eggs are evil? I do not, just so that you know. Uh, Celebrate priests in scarlet robes and high hats, all traced back to a pagan religion. Ultimately, back to Babylon. Comes down to, now listen to what I'm saying. This is really important. It comes down to what and who you worship. What and who you worship. Where is your allegiance? So the woman Babylon represents all false religions, I believe. This is my every name, everything that's against God, even those that call themselves Christian. But at the center, they are not. Now we need to stop for just a second and think about calling yourself. There's, there are people that say, yes, I'm a Christian. Do you know just because you go to a McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. You can call yourself a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that is exactly true if that is not what you worship or what your allegiance is with, what you are tied to, what your belief system is with. Anyway, she is all dolled up to look good. How many knows this? Religion can make itself look pretty good, pretty important. But the cup is filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. In other words, the Bible says this pretty plain, and I'm just pulling things out as the Spirit has given me the, the, the wisdom to do it. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. So she can put on all the makeup she wants, but in her core, come on, is bad. And it's always going to be bad. She has no intention her intent is to destroy and fight God. That's her intent. Ancient Babylon is also the birthplace of commercialism, uh, the world's economic political system that runs on money and greed. And we'll talk about commercialism more in the next chapter, so I wanted to just let you know, so I'm not, not talking about it. I'm just kind of saying we're not covering it all here. But in 17, the woman is false religion. She's riding a beast. And that, you know, religion can be dangerous. When godless religion rides atop a, a top in power of the wicked, government say, let's just say, um, godless religion, a top power of wicked government, that's a death sentence. That's not going anywhere good. Revelation 17, 6. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people, who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. I want to take a second and pause here because what this is saying is religion is responsible for the death of many believers. There are people to this day now because, let's just be honest, they were hurt in church. 
they were hurt by somebody that was religious or something happened or somebody, you're going to have to, and I don't mean this harshly, but you're going to have to get past some of this because people are people. And sometimes they didn't mean it to happen that way. They were a mess themselves. Come on. And you're going to have to get past that and see God and know maybe you weren't treated right. No, maybe you were hurt. No, maybe this happened. And I get it, I get it, I get it. But sooner or later, you got to look in the mirror and say, Jesus, all to thee I surrender, all to thee I freely give. Because nobody, nobody, nobody can take away everything but Jesus. Everything that you ever needed or hurt or whatever, he can either provide or take away the pain. Did you do it right? Probably not. None of us could say we're 100% right. But Jesus is always right. Religion is responsible for the death of a lot of many. There are some people that they'll tell me, I won't, even, I won't even grace the door of the church. If I walked in the door, it would fall in. The roof would fall in. It didn't fall in and I got here. But they think, you know, or I don't like anything to do with God because I was hurt by whatever or whoever. Now, we got to get past that, guys. That's why it's real important. That's why we tell our dream team every week, just be genuine. Be who you are. I have people who will say, well, you, can you explain this to me? If I can't explain it, I'll just say I can't. I've had people say, I don't like that scripture. Give me another one. I'm like, I'm not here to, to please you. If you didn't like the last one, you go look it up. This is just an estimate. It's not completely accurate, but the death of Christian martyrs in the last 2,000 years are around 70 million, with most of that number in this last century. John says he's amazed or astonished. Let's see if we can pull some more things back. Let's see what we can get. Revelation 17, 7 through 14. Why are you so amazed, the angel asked. I'll tell you the mystery of this woman and the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive, but isn't now. Yet he'll soon come up out of the bottomless pit to go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names, check this out, were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of his beast who had died, of this beast who had died. This calls for a mind with understanding. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. Six now reigns. The seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The scarlet beast that was, but is no longer, is the eighth king. He's like the other seven. And he, too, is headed for destruction. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together, they will go to war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords, King of all kings, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. That's a lot. But let's, let's look at it. There's different theories out there, and I'm not telling you I'm the authority. I am not. Uh, but the beast, again, is the Antichrist, the city with seven hills, would be a famous city, and that is Rome. Some say it could be a rebuilt Roman Empire, basically a united Europe. That's what some scholars say. But also near Rome is the Vatican. 
The Vatican is the single most powerful hub of religion in the world. That's the Catholic Church. And its history, if we look at Catholic or Catholicism, isn't in their favor on writing political power. Now, I'm not saying the Catholic Church hasn't done anything right, so don't send me any hate mail. I'm just telling you what this is representing. False religion takes many names, many forms, and the, this woman pictures all of it. She is all of that together. So let's talk about the rapture for just a second. Because we don't want to forget that. I mean, we're getting into all of this stuff. but So the rapture takes place. In other words, all the people that are true Christians, the ones that truly believe, the ones that love Jesus, that gave their heart to him. This is, now just think about this. This is before. Anyway, uh, the real believers, the true followers, the genuine Christians, they're gone. Because the rapture's already taken place. So this is, we're talking tribulation now. But... They're all gone. So all that is left are the hypocrites, the fakes. All the power and money is still there. You know, people just, you know. When I, when, I, when I try to tell you or teach you about the kingdom, so many times we're waiting on God. Oh, God, you're going you're gonna to send, you're going to shake the money tree up in heaven. You know, there's no money in heaven. Heaven doesn't run on that currency. That's what the world runs on. So God will give you an idea or concept to gain wealth here on this world. Come on, to do it his way. He'll help you with that. But there's no tree up in heaven that he shakes and it just rains down. But so all the power, all the greed, all the nasty stuff, they team up with godless religions worldwide and you get false, greedy, adulterous religion. You get people pushing the agenda you get the harlot. Put that on top of the beast with the new world government. You have one world religion, one world government, united in purpose. There's all kinds of theories out. You know, they want the one, the, you know, the one money system. They want everything. They want, to, they want to control everything. All kinds of theories come out, but I don't want you to miss the big picture. I want you to see what we're talking about. I'm going to read 714 again. Together they'll go to war against the Lamb. You don't fight against God and win. It has never happened. There is no one, no thing, no... Th I feel like the cowardly line. No, <laughs> Anyway, uh, nobody has fought against God and won. Okay, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords and King of all kings. And, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. So the bottom line of this, it's war against Jesus. That is what the enemy has wanted. He wants to defeat the king. So it's back to the battle of Armageddon. Jesus overcomes the world. He, kings gather, but how many knows that he is the king of kings and lord of lords? And with him, come on, this is what's great. With him is his called chosen and faithful followers. That's us. That's exciting. I don't know. My, my favorite animals in the world are dogs and horses. Anybody else like dogs? Dog people. Cat people. We'll try to get you converted. No. Horse people. Yay. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sammy was, I don't know how old he was. He 10, 
we had a couple horses. When we started this church, I had to sell my horses and all that stuff. But we had a, I had a quarter horse, and his name was Prince. And Prince, could, he could move. And, you know, I taught Sam how to ride. I taught him how to, you know, put on the saddle, except the horse is, you know, so many hands tall, and Sam's just this little guy, so I'd help strap on the saddle. And uh, so he took the horse to the back end of the pasture, back by the barn. He said, Dad, watch. I said, what? And he, he's got a cowboy hat on. I mean, Sammy, he's just, his shoes, shoes would always be on the wrong foot when he was little. We'd take them off, put them on the right foot. He'd put them back on. He'd kind of look like an elf on a bad day, you know, just kind of. <laughs> but he's clear off the side. Man, he took those reins and whoosh, and the horse just took off. And he's, dun, 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 dun. and then, man, he just, I mean, this is a 1,200-pound animal with a 10-year-old. He just reared that horse up right by the barn, turned it around, and he goes, what do you think? Go get mom. <laughs> so I went and got Kim, and I said, Sam wants to show you something. So he, he walked Prince all the way back down the back part of that pasture, and she said, what's he doing back there? I said, I'm sorry, but it was probably wrong, but I loved it. I said, you'll see. And I said, okay, Sam. And he goes, yeah. And she's like, oh. <laughs> And man, here he comes. She's like, Sammy, 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 Whoa. And she's like, don't you ever do that again. And, and he's like, Mom, he does everything I say. It's awesome. Dad taught me. And she was okay. Once he, you know, he wasn't afraid of that. It was just, why are you telling me that story? If we get to be with him, Jesus, we might get to ride horses. And if my 10-year-old can ride a horse, so can you. It's going to be awesome because we cannot lose. We have Jesus on our side. 15 through 18 of 17 says, Angel said to me, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his 10 horns all hate the prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, burn her remains with fire, for God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give her authority to the scarlet beast, and so the words of God will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. So this chapter is coming to a close, but it ends with the beast and ten kings with him turning against the prostitute. They hate her. They'll bring her to ruin. They leave her naked. They eat her flesh. They burn her with fire. Ultimately, this is about judgment. False religion is betrayed by the power and the greed she wrote in on. Now, I read this, and this in my mind, and I'm not endorsing you to go watch. You might have already seen this movie, but in one of the Batman movies, um, oh, okay. <laughs> what happens is on the inside, it goes bad. It's already bad. The people that are bad are trusting bad people. So that's bad. Because they're not good. And they have no intention of being good. They can't be good because they're bad. In the movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Now again, I'm not telling you, especially if you're a younger kid. But the bad guy in there sends all his other clowns, they literally have clowns' faces on, to get 
money out of Gotham or whatever. But in the midst of all of that, every one of these guys in the beginning of that movie is bad. And they end up trying to get everything on them for themselves. And they are doing away with everybody that's supposed to be on their team as that movie unfolds. That's what that reminded me of. Have you ever been to a place, and this is why it's so important, turn to your neighbor and say, cleanse. Now, that's not an insult, but what I'm saying is, this is why it's so important to keep our heart clean. Because we, we all, if we're not careful, we can sometimes, have you ever said something or just, you knew you shouldn't have said it, but you said it anyway? And for a brief second, it felt good, but it's kind of like toothpaste. Once it comes out of the tube, you can't put it back in. So, you know, we get upset with ourselves. Sometimes we'll be like, I know I shouldn't, and, and we said it anyway. And the whole time you're saying it, you're mad at yourself for saying it. Does that make sense? You know it's wrong, and these on the inside is corrupt. You need to, you need to understand the enemy, there is no good in him. He is the father of lies and the father of flies. There's nothing in him but lies and deceit. So even as they plan and plot this, it turns out because the Bible says that God is going to get his purpose. God is going to get his way. He has the final say, his last statement of what he thinks of this godless religion in verse 17. He said he put it, it says it puts it in their mind to carry out his purpose. They're, they're past, they can't be saved. This isn't about that. He's just like, let me, let me put it to you this way. Not as threatening as that, but you remember the Israelites coming out of Egypt? And they, they should have... I mean, all they did was whine. Oh, you brought us out here to starve. Oh, we could have had a better bag in Egypt. Leeks and onions. Oh. Maybe they didn't do it like that, but I'm saying. <laughs> we want food. We're sick of manna. And so God gave them quail. And, and I mean, there's a whole issue with, we don't have enough. We, if we slaughtered all of that, we couldn't even feed because there are millions of people. And yet God... His arm's not whacked short. Numbers 11.23, he says, I can do that. What they did is they kept it up and kept it up. The Bible says they were put in the wilderness to humble them and to test them. And there's a part in there that says this is what happened. Remember, now we've talked about this even in this book. Remember we talked about fairness? There's a part in there where... He, the Bible says that God just gave them, and he calls it leanness of soul. That's not fish. He's just, you want that? Okay. You made your bed, that's what you want? You won't get off of it? Okay. Now we're, we're getting, this thing is all winding down. The time... For turning for that is over. God is going to create. Now, I mean, as we get, for, we're going to we're going to talk about a new heavens and a new earth. We're going to talk about reestablishing. We're going to talk about all kinds of things coming up. 
But I want to close today with this. You are not alive today by accident. You are not here right now by just chance. Brett, you don't even know what I've been through. You don't know the hell I've been through. I get what, what it's like, but it's nothing compared to what would happen that we've talked about. But thank God, my God, he will save me. My God will take me out of the snare of the enemy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not setting up camp there. I'm walking through. Some of us need to just keep walking. Quit looking at the scenery and the camp of the dead. It's no good. But you have a purpose. You're alive today because of a purpose. There is a plan. If there's a plan, there's a planner. And he's made plans for you. Would you walk in him? Would you fulfill destiny? You know how good it feels to be like, I was made to do this. That's a great feeling. There are people that are walking in life. You know over 70% of Americans do not like what they do. They're not happy with what they do for a living. So there's no peace there. They're unsettled. They're always looking for grass on the other, the green grass on the other side of the fence. You know, here's what it, you need to understand. There is a purpose because the other side of the fence, in the grass, there's still dog poo. You just can't see it on your side. Some of you are going, I'm not real. But it's true. You can get over there and you'll find out there's a, there's a honeymoon period. Oh, we all love that. Everybody loves you. Nobody, you know, oh, he, you. But sooner or later, now think about this. Jesus comes into town. Hosanna. Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In just a matter of days, crucify him. other side of the fence I challenge you this morning as we we go through this we're just trying to find out we you know we're not so deep that we're losing ourselves and like oh, okay but to the point where we know this isn't good I need to stay on this side I need to fulfill the purpose God has for me I got a quick story to share, and then, then we're done for today. And I, I almost hesitate to share it because I, it doesn't make me look the greatest, that's for sure. But I'm going to share it. I worked for about seven years a little better at Honda. Okay? And, uh, and so I witnessed to as many people as I could there. Uh, the time I was there, I was studying to do what I do now. I was walking out of work one day and there was a guy just give you a little prehistory there's a guy that delivered parts to all the you know honda is just a plant that builds cars and so there's a guy that comes and he makes sure that you have the parts you need to put in the car and then you move them to your station and then i you fill your bins up and so he brings the screws and the whatevers and all that stuff and he but he he was always walking like this and he was a real nice gentleman uh he was an African-American fellow, and I, you know, I kind of, I'd always talk to him, and I'm walking out, and he, it's like he was where the camera is over here, 
and he made eye contact with me. And as soon as we locked eyes, I heard the Lord say to me, tell him about me. Now, I have 25, 30 people are all walking out. Devin, you know what that's like when you leave Honda. I mean, everybody's like, hey, it's time to go home. Because <laughs> all day long, you've just been, you know, just that's all you're doing. And I, I heard the Lord as plain as day. Tell him about me. And I started an argument with the Lord. I don't, look at all the people around, God. There's a lot of people here. You know, and I don't have time. I got to get home. I need to get home. I don't have time for that. I'm, I'll tell you what I'll do. You ever make a deal with God? I'll tell him tomorrow. When he comes by to deliver my parts, I will tell him tomorrow. That's what I'll do, God. I'll tell him tomorrow. And he stared at me like his eyes were just almost like bugging out of his head to the point where I'm like, dude. And I mean, I can't get my eyes off his. And I mean, I'm even walking past him and he is following me. And I went and got in my car and I went home. I went back to work the next day and I'm working and somebody said, hey, did you hear about? And they said his name. I didn't know his name. And I said, no. I said, who's that? They said, you know, the guy that delivers the parts, the guy that walks with the limp. I said, yeah, what about him? He died last night. I said, what? They said he died last night. I mean, my face probably, all the blood probably, I was like, and I mean, I just teared up. I remember the rest of that day, I was not probably worth a whole lot. And I remember telling the Lord, I am so sorry. Because I knew I was supposed to tell him. My prayer is that when I get to heaven, I still don't know what his name is, but I'll know what he looks like. That he'll walk up to me and I'll get to embrace him. But I told the Lord, I said, I will never do that to you again. I'll never be too busy to do what you ask me to do. My challenge to you this morning is just that. If I've learned anything, it seems like life is shorter than what we think in this last year. And I pray, uh, I'm believing I'm going to have a long, fruitful life. I'm believing this church is going to continue to grow and explode. We're going to minister to people all over the world. That is my faith. That is my belief. That we can't do it without Jesus. Because without that cornerstone, we got false religion. I can't do it for people. I can't do it for money. I can't do it for greed. I can't do it for numbers. But I can do it for the master. And I'm, I'm asking you today, where are you at with him? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?